Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Every company has a story to tell, from the small startup to the large enterprise, and everything in between. This is one of them. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Marco. Was that a bot? Did you hear it? It was a bot. It was, it was two bots. Two bots? Maybe. I might have been eight. I don't know. Maybe They're multiplying. Eight. They're gremlins. They're gremlins multiplying. If, They're, if they're already way more water, than our first episode on this topic. If you sprinkle water on a bot, it multiplies. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, water in the, in the uh, server room is probably not a good idea, but... Uh, I'm not technical. It's not our server room. It's somebody else's computer or IoT device anyway, so screw it. I'm more about fantasy thinking, so I can talk about that. But we're talking about something that is pretty real. And this is the second episode. They are real. They're not gremlins. They are real bots. They're real software running on real devices and within and perhaps even behind. We'll we'll probably learn uh, real applications causing real situations and real harm and uh so we, we we had this is our second episode here marco and we had a good chat with ryan when he was on thanks again for joining ryan and uh we we had a good conversation around what a bot is and and how it works and some stories of of the impact it can have on businesses and industries and consumers alike and uh, we, we got to a point where we ran out of time, but there are more stories, Marco, and more, most importantly, we have a solution uh, to help with some of this uh, for businesses. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to point everybody back to uh, part one of this uh, two-part series so they can learn more about Ryan. And uh, let, let's just get back into it, Ryan. We, we, we covered a couple customer stories. Uh, yeah how you interact with the organizations, the things they, they think they're seeing, how you help them analyze and identify uh, if it's a bot and how it's operating and, and uh, maybe, maybe another example or two uh, to kind of help set the stage again here in this part too so folks can, can get their head wrapped around what a, what a bot is and how it impacts business. Yeah, thanks for having me back on the show, guys. Um, great conversation and happy to be picking this back up. Um, but yeah, there's loads of really uh, interesting stories um, that we get exposed to in this, um, you know, in this market. I think one of the ones that was a real uh, eye opener for me um, was the relationship that those in the travel uh, industry have with bots and specifically um, airlines and hotel chains. Um, and I got a real crash course on this. You know, we have a lot of the kind of biggest, they're called uh, GDS, um, Global Distribution uh, System uh, Vendors, uh, as, our, as our customers. And what these guys do is they're responsible essentially for, you know, running, uh, in many cases, the portal for the airlines and the hotel, the booking portals. 
Um, and so, uh, you know, they are subject to a lot of both good and bad bots. And so the way that these uh, kind of manifest is, you know, the good bots are coming from uh, the online travel agencies and the aggregators um, like, you know, like Kayak or, or even, um, you know, uh, booking.com. Um, and they have agreements with these travel agents and these aggregators to basically use bots. You know, go ahead and you know scrape to understand where our prices are so that you can make bookings on our behalf and they enter into these commercial agreements and they're allowed to do you know scraping at a certain rate during certain you know times and they pay a certain amount for um, each of these scrapes and so you know what ends up happening from a bad bot perspective is sometimes uh these uh online travel agents and aggregators even though they're authorized um, will use bots in an unauthorized way. That's kind of the first, uh, you know, kind of case that we see a lot. But then we see a ton of unauthorized um, aggregators out there that are hitting these um, global distribution systems really hard, um, you know, bypassing, you know, fees um, that, you know, the airline would or hotel would normally uh, generate for these. And so, um, you know, one of the other things that we see a lot of is what's called uh, seat spinning. So you'll have uh, a travel agent or uh, an aggregator, you know, basically buy up inventory because in a lot, of, a lot of cases, you actually don't have to pay for the airfare uh, within the first 24 hours, right? So they'll reserve it, they'll hold it, and it basically allows them to have a hold on those seats um, and see if they can resell them without any upfront cost uh, to them. But obviously there's a you know, huge cost you know, to the hotel or the airline uh, and to consumers, right? Who can't find you know, a, free, a free seat. So just a really interesting um, kind of ecosystem that we learned, that I personally learned a lot about um, uh, as, as we, we got into it with, uh, with some of our, our big customers in this space. And that, I'm just trying to think through that scenario. And it, I mean, it's multifaceted uh, in that there's a lot of steps along the way. And I guess I'm just wondering how, how do the, the folks you work with distinguish between real authentic traffic versus something that's being driven by a bot? If it, if it's coming through an aggregator that that's uh, legitimate and authenticated and, maybe abusing or versus one of the others. I, I don't know. How, how do you begin to yeah. determine the difference there? I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, in, in many cases, you know, um, we encourage them obviously to design their applications in ways that can, uh, you know, bypass a direct scraping model. So in other words, kind of go directly through the API and use kind of a, you know, a key to do that. So you can kind of hand that key out to your authorized partners. But, um, you know, some of these design projects uh, are complicated and take a long time to implement. So, you know, we, we protect, I think over 70 airlines. And so, you know, most of them are kind of still using the, kind of the classic scraping model. So it's difficult. We look at things like uh, behavior. Uh, we look at uh, the rate that these requests are coming in. Um, you know, we obviously use you know, traditional reputation kind of models and things like that. Um, we've also had to layer in quite a bit of, um, you know, machine learning, uh, both supervised and unsupervised to help us, um, you know, tell the difference between, between the good and, good and the bad. It's a, it's a tough one because they, they, they need these bots. They do. So Ryan, while it seems to me quite 
easy to grasp the concept of seeing these in travel agent. I mean, travel agents and how they can affect the pricing of tickets and all of that. And also uh, in retail where you can skyrocket the price of something if you create, you know, demand and offer and, and there is not enough stuff on the shelf. But there are other situations and verticals where I, I didn't expect, for example, to see the, the numbers so high there, for example, sports websites mm-hmm. and, and how it actually is affecting those kinds of things when is related to, obviously, big sport event. So t- tell me a little bit about that one. Yeah, so there's a few reasons why, um, you know, these sporting events uh, attract a lot of bots. Uh, one is you know, scraping scores, right, in real time to basically present that information, you know, on some other on other site. Um, another could be uh, scraping uh, odds, right, to get a real time view of what the betting odds are. Um, we see that uh, that a lot, um, or even attempts to influence the odds. Um, we also see, you know, a lot of these sites have um, logins, right? Uh, you can create an account for various reasons, right? And a lot of times you can buy things. Um, and so people are storing payment information. So that makes these um, subject and you know vulnerable to these account takeovers that we were talking about in the last episode. Um, so those are kind of the main uh, the main things that we see. Um, and you know, sports, gambling, and uh, gaming, kind of as uh, uh, two categories: sports, gaming, and gambling, uh, are two of the kind of top three industries where we see a lot of bad bot volume. Um, telecom being um, being the third. And so, uh, oh, go ahead, Marco. Oh no, I, I'm just curious because we talk about these bots, and where do they come from? Yeah. <laughs> where, where is the land of the bots? Yeah, it's a mafia. <laughs> it's really, I mean, it's really interesting when you when you dig into that, and um, I think we touched on it a little bit in the last episode, um, you know. But the because the stakes have gotten so high, um, these bot operators have really, like you guys said, mafia. I mean, they've really organized professionally, right? And so this is not amateur hour anymore here. This is high um, you know, quality software. Um, you know, distributed across the globe and how they end up recruiting uh, these bots a lot of times is really interesting. There's a few vectors. Um, one of them is through um, SDKs that developers will write and then, um, you know, a, a service will inject, you know, some code um, that's essentially the bot and the developer gets a royalty every time that SDK is used by another developer in their application. So it could be an example could be like a um, uh, a browser plugin, right? That does something. And, you know, when the user, the end user installs that browser plugin, they may even, you know, they're gonna be getting, you know, uh, T's and C's, right? Put in front of them and no one reads that and they click okay. What they've done is they've installed this browser uh, plugin that's given them some convenient functionality that they needed. But what they've done is they've effectively turned their workstation into their computer into a uh, bot, uh, a command and control type bot. So what happens is that browser plugin now is phoning home, right? Phoning the kind of central control station and saying, hey, what do you want me to do? Um, you know, and uh, central control is saying, well, here's here's the instruction, go attack uh, this uh, this particular property. And 
what ends up happening in that case um, is, you know, the request is coming from an actual browser, right? In the case of this browser plugin. Uh, so it looks legit um, and it's coming from a residential IP network um, like Comcast or, you know, wh wherever. And so um, that's one of the ways in which they're recruited. The other really common one is um, uh, VPN. So people will, you know, consumers will download VPNs in order to get around content restrictions for digital media, right? They want to watch some show in a different country or something like that. And so a lot of times malware or bots basically get installed that way. And then the, uh, uh, the third major vector is compromise of, um, of IoT. So you'll have devices like cameras, um, you know, thermostats, refrigerators, anything that run... Um, you know, software, right, that uh, can be exploited, um, often gets exploited and becomes another kind of command and control bot. I don't trust my refrigerator. I, I never will. <laughs> I never will, Sean. Uh, we, we I'm not, not going to eat that uh, that cheese from your fridge. Well, not a chance. We, no, I know he's doing something in the background. It's, <laughs> I just don't trust him. What can we do about it, Sean? Any ideas? What? Yeah, it's, it's on top of my mind, of course, because Brian, as you're talking about all these sources, I'm, I'm thinking as a as a business owner, I don't control the ISP. I don't control Safari. I don't control the VPNs. I don't control the IoT device in Marco's kitchen, right? So yep. I have no no ability to do anything at that level, and that's where all these bots and the bot armies are are originating. I can only handle what and deal with something that's, that's coming across and, and actually landing on my site and, and in, on, in my systems and my applications. So how, how do organizations take some of the first steps, let's say, to see if they have a bot problem? Then we, then we can talk about actually addressing what they uncover. Yeah, in terms of, uh, and I think we touched on this in the last episode, but in terms of just real quickly, um, things to look out for, uh, you know, it spikes in traffic, it's login attempts, um, it's uh, low conversion rates on your products, uh, lower than, you know, historical. Um, it's actually, another thing we see a lot of is poor uh, search engine optimization ranking, and people don't know why, right? And uh, oftentimes it could be because uh, in the case of e-commerce, uh, competitors out price them just marginally. Um, and so the competitor's good is showing up or content is being stolen, right? And that hurts your um, SEO ranking if someone else has the same you know, content. So those are the things um, to look out for. And you bring up a, a really good point, um, Sean. It's very difficult uh, to, uh, to block this stuff because it's coming from IP address ranges that you your legitimate users come from. So that method of um, you know, blocking IPs doesn't work. The reputation method typically doesn't, doesn't work. Um, and uh, you know, you know, uh, because they're masquerading as, as real browsers, you know, it's very difficult. Um, you can't put rules in place basically, right? Um, and so you know, actually speaking about browsers, one of the things we saw a lot of this year was um, a shift to bots emulating Safari. And at first, you know, we were kind of scratching our heads, like, why, you know, why the increase in, uh, you know, bots masquerading as Safari? And, uh, you know, the reason is basically because, you know, I think it was earlier this year, you know, Apple released these privacy enhancements for Safari that made it more difficult for advertisers and other folks to uh, track you, right? Which generally is, you know, a good thing. 
but uh, you know, bot detection software also uses some of the same techniques to fingerprint uh, devices, right? And so, uh, you know, uh, they're able to essentially uh, benefit from that. Um, and so we saw saw a lot of a lot of that. Um, but it's a it's a hard hard problem to solve for sure, and the traditional security models just don't work. Now, I'm wondering, Ryan, one more, one more uh, thought on on where these things are hitting within the organization. Because clearly, if you're if you're losing money, if your gift cards are being abused, if if you're you see a huge drop in in uh, completed transactions in your cart, uh, and and nobody's being nobody's able to buy stuff, th those are probably pretty obvious and pretty quick to identify and say. This is bad. We're losing money. Uh, customers are upset. Let's let's figure out what's going on here. I'm just wondering: Are there other scenarios that may trigger the sign of a bot that that may not be as initially damaging? I'm thinking like HR websites for application submissions. I don't know if that's a real case or not, but I'm just thinking: Are there are there other places where you might spot the presence of bot activity? may not be an immediate impact on revenue, but ultimately could have an impact on the business. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, we do see, uh, I mean, it depends on kind of the, the industry, but uh, spam, comment spam, um, and in the social media world, um, you know, fake account, you know, creation used to, to spread information or disinformation or, uh, or spam, um, you know, that, that may be another, indicator um you know otherwise just looking at any sort of abnormal behavior so a lot of modern advanced bot detection uh, ends up being very behavior based or uh, anomaly based um you know so you try to take a baseline understand kind of what's normally going on and you're looking at a bunch of different things you're looking at you know uh, a, you know, traffic, but you can't look at just uh, traffic coming from one source now because uh, these attacks are now distributed. So you have to kind of take a global view, um, you know, looking for anomalies, looking for how somebody, um, how is a, you know, a, a user agent or a, a bot or a human working through your site? Is that normal? Um, or has there been some, you know, couple standard deviations, you know, uh, to, to the left or the right? Um, and that kind of triggers, uh, flags. And so a lot of times these end up being kind of risk thresholds. And so one particular thing in and of itself isn't enough. Um, you have to kind of take this composite view, um, you know, in order to, in order to have an effective uh, line of defense. The, the other thing we do a lot of at, you know, in Perva is we, you know, when a browser purports to be, uh, you know, a certain type of browser, we know what the capabilities of that browser are in terms of, you know, what's it look like from, you know, kind of an SSL negotiation perspective or what kind of, uh, you, you know, JavaScript does it, uh, functions does it support or not support. And so you can kind of issue these challenges in the background transparently to the user to say, well, this, this user is purporting to be on this browser, but is this browser really behaving as we know this browser with this particular subversion uh, to behave. So it's really kind of multi, multi-factor. And speaking of multi, um, because that browser behaving generally might look a certain way, um, but the user within different applications might look 
different as well. And I know this isn't just a security problem. This isn't just a fraud problem. We talked a little bit about this in the first episode. So I'm wondering how, how you advise organizations to come together from, uh, I don't know, what do you, what do you want to say? Like a multi-stakeholder perspective to say, yeah, you have to bring fraud and security and risk and IT and ops and legal and HR and, and app dev and engineering or whatever. How do, how do you advise folks and where do, where does that stop? And, and you just need a holistic view regardless. Yeah, no. Uh, so absolutely. This is something that we talk to our customers about, um, you know, all the time. So we see um, you know, the primary stakeholders, you know, tend to be, you know, obviously security, um, you know, as the practitioner, right. But uh, you know, finance and, uh, uh, the fraud team, risk or fraud, um, you know, tend to be uh, involved because they have a lot at stake. Um, you know, marketing uh, for some of those uh, marketing metrics um, that we talked about, um, they tend to have um, an interest in this. Um, if there's kind of a kind of an e-commerce team kind of on the retail side, um, you know, they are also impacted by uh, by bots. And so, you know, we uh, see a lot of these conversations as actually starting in some of these other functions and these other functions going to IT or going to security and saying, hey, we can't explain this. Um, can you guys take, you know, take a look? Um, and then, you know, they, they dig in and they realize um, it's, you know, it's bots. And so at Imperva, we've been focused a lot on kind of this multi-stakeholder aspect. And so we've created a lot of, uh, you know, reports that are specific to different stakeholders at the executive level um, to kind of give them the information they need um, to tell them how bots are, you know, are impacting their, their part of the business. So I remember a while back, we were talking about how it takes a Terminator to kill a Terminator. I remember, Sean, it was about artificial intelligence and adversarial artificial yes. intelligence. Exactly. So I'm kind of thinking the same thing here. I mean, does it take a bot to kill another bot, but the technology that you guys at Imperva are putting into place has, I'm sure, a first layer of defense and then second and detecting and reacting. So let, you kind of already went there before, but let's dig a little bit deeper into, into the solution here. Definitely. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think I mentioned on the, on the first episode just how, you know, if you think about traditional attacks like, uh, you know, to a web application like, say, SQL injection or cross-site scripting or some other um, kind of code-based vulnerability, um, that's something that you can, in a deterministic way, build a, you know, a rule set around to prevent and stop, right? Um, these attacks, because they're coming in at what we call, you know, the business logic layer, you know, they are using your application the way that you, you know, put your application out to be used. Obviously, you didn't want it abused, but they are using it on that level. They're not exploiting any vulnerabilities. Um, and so, and they're coming from, in many cases, you know, real browsers and from legitimate IP addresses. And so it does create a very difficult um, kind of detection problem. And so, you know, for us um, at Imperva, you know, we use a multi-layer approach. We do look at things, you know, traditional things like IP reputation is just kind of a first, you know, very primitive um, uh, factor. Uh, but then mostly in the bot world, it's about profiling 
uh, behavior, behavior of uh, the browsers, um, and are they expecting the way, are they operating the way we expect them to, and all of these kind of behind the scenes challenges that will um, that will issue. Because what we don't want to do is, you know, we don't want to issue a captcha. Uh, if we don't have to, right? Nobody likes captchas, right? Um, and so uh, we try to work behind the scenes to really transparently challenge the browser, not the user at first. Um, and then, you know, we also have uh, awareness uh, at the user level. So we know, have we seen this user uh, before? Um, are they operating the way that we expect them to do? And so it's basically, you know, a series of um, basically, uh, layered deterministic and probabilistic modeling. And then in the end, there's, uh, think of it as kind of like uh, a composite risk score that we can uh, basically offer up, you know, and then uh, basically the, the practitioner ends up setting rules uh, where they say, look, if, if the risk level is above a certain threshold, um, that's when I want to issue a CAPTCHA. Or if it's above this next threshold, uh, let, we have very strong confidence that this is something we don't want on our site. And so let's just outright uh, block it. There's some other really cool techniques that we're doing at Imperva 2 to raise the cost of these attacks. So it's kind of like fighting back a little bit. Um, so we have this thing called um, uh, you know, tar pit or delay, where we will basically service the bots very, very slowly um, in a way that makes it not uh, cost effective for them to continue to attack that particular customer. And so they'll move on to somebody um, that's easier. It's like the old, remember like the club that used to put on your car, they used to say <laughs> people move on because they, they don't want to deal with it, but it's, it's, that, it's that sort of thing. It just changes the economics. So Ryan, a lot of good advice there. Multi-layered, multi-faceted, you need... You need the app, you need the IT ops, you need security, and pretty much a lot of the organization to kind of keep an eye out here. You also need the technology and the partnership with somebody like Imperva to get that contextual view, get that dynamic view, help them build the product that's more resilient in the first place, and then enable IT and security ops and fraud and others to uh, to deal with this. So. Um, Really appreciate you time you taking the time to share with us the findings from your bad bot report, uh, which of course we'll be linking to in this episode. And would encourage everybody to listen to the first episode as well. And of course, uh, take a moment to connect with the Imperva team. There's a likelihood that you have a bot <laughs> running running on or against your organization, and uh, it's better to get ahead of ahead of that curve in terms of managing that risk. So connect with Imperva and uh, have them help you identify where you might see some of these challenges. So Marco, I think we've we've reached uh, the 32 bot mark on this episode. So let's, uh, let's not get to 64. Let's, uh, let's there, let there, there is so many bots I can, I can <laughs> deal with and then I have to, to cut it off. But I, I enjoy the conversation as usual talking to Imperva and Ryan first time with you, actually second time, because it was a two episode. It was a real pleasure. I hope you have to have you back on again. And likewise, Marco, Sean, this is great. Let's do it again. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you learned something new and this story made you think, 
Then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG 24.